Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome back, episode thirty-four, and uh, and we got a good one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one we're one we're really really excited for. Um, the man, uh, an absolute legend in the fishing world, uh, Jay Yellis is gonna yeah. gonna join us today. Crazy. And I, yeah, I'm so stoked for this one. So, like yeah. I said, Jay Jay Yellis, um, with us with us tonight, and uh, man, like. I don't, I'm kind of lost for words. You know, he, I know it's almost legend. weird. It, it yeah. is. <laughs> we were talking to him before and I'm like, Oh, hi, Jay Yellis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. so cool. I mean, yeah. an absolute legend, uh, yeah. in the fishing world, uh, a guy that, you know, all of us have looked up to, uh, you know, if you follow fishing or, uh, BASS for a long time, uh, you, you know, the name and, and kind of what he's about. So definitely stoked to, uh, to have him with us today. So, yeah. Uh, we're going to bring him in here in a second, but uh, before that, uh, if you get a chance, go ahead and uh, check out the merch store. Yeah. Um, it's 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 up. It's it's accessible on both uh, desktop and mobile devices. It's yeah. extremely easy to use, and yeah. like everywhere, we accept all forms of all major forms of payment, uh, yeah. including PayPal and you know, um, visas, debits, all all that good stuff. Yeah. So uh, check it out. Get you a shirt, hat. Uh, some stickers that are, are designed by the the one and only uh, Jordan there. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Grab <laughs> grab you some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> grab you some stuff from the store. We appreciate it, uh, yeah. man. Um, also, uh, the social, social, uh, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, um, and of course YouTube. All tackle and tacos, uh, and tackleandtacos.com, dot com. Yeah. Where the where the store is at. So uh, that's uh, you know that's the goods. Um, yeah, trying to keep this trying to keep this intro short yeah, and sweet so we can right uh, yeah yeah so we can get to the man uh, yeah. the man himself. But uh, before we do, uh, I, I say we definitely have to give a shout out to uh, Curtis <laughs> with the working class bow hunters. Uh, yeah. just put down another gigantic buck. And, yeah, once and, again uh, he is tagged out for <laughs> Illinois, bucked out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. What, what a deer slayer he is. Yeah. Uh, and if anybody's, if anybody's seen the pictures, uh, uh, that he's posted so far, um, over at the working class bow hunter podcast page, um, you would, you, you can see this, this absolute giant that, yeah. you know, I mean, looks every bit of 170 inches, um, 
plus, but uh, you know, I I, I hear he, he measured just what about an inch and a half yeah, shy I think of an that. Inch and two eighths, or however you do that, you know, with measurements, yeah. you don't really do half inch, whatever. But yeah, yeah right, crazy. right. Yeah, yeah. man, it, that's wild. So, uh, so shout out to Kurt for for putting yep. down his uh, his personal best uh, archery buck, man. What a what yep. a what a season he's having. So yeah, shout out to him. Congrats, uh, buddy. Yeah, shout out to him and really all the working class guys. They they are on it this year. Yeah, um, putting down some awesome awesome deer. So yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Heck of a yeah. job. Congrats, Kurt. Congrats. So yep. let's get into it. Usually we would have more of like story time. You know, like we would have conversation and we would walk through things. The three of us. Which side note, um, if you're listening right now, you'll notice that you don't hear Lola's lovely voice. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you'll notice that you don't see uh lovely lola um sitting to my right so not to get like too deep on it whatever um i kind of debated whether i wanted to say anything about it but i will um i think a, a lot of the people who listen to this i think everybody who listens to our podcast and we talk to they're good people and so um uh if you're the praying type of human being um you know we wouldn't we wouldn't be opposed to uh you praying for lola a little bit it's nothing like life threatening or whatever um but she went to the doctor today she's been having weird pains and stuff in her hand and it turns out she needs like three different surgeries in her wrist and she has a trigger finger thing and all this what and it just kind of sucks and so um she was hanging out with her mom tonight and she's just kind of understandably a little like sad and whatever and i was like dude you know and she was stoked. Like she was stoked to talk to Jay. Um, but I was like, seriously, take the night off, relax, whatever. Me and uh, Nate will hold it down uh, or attempt to. But uh, yeah. Attempt, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of sucks without you. But uh, we're going to move on. We're going to get into the to the meat of it. And as Nate so accurately said, tonight we have an absolute legend on the show. I don't know why he agreed to do our podcast, but I'm pretty dang <laughs> excited about it. Heck and yeah. um, I'm talking about not like – it's not like, oh, yeah, he's done some pretty big things. Like this dude is a legend, uh, and that's the actual word, and I can prove it to you. Not that like fishing and holding a rod and reel is the only thing he's ever done with his life, and we'll, we'll get into some of that later too. Um, but let me prove it to you, at least as it relates to the bass fishing world, who this dude is. So um, he's the 2002 Bassmaster Classic champion, right? That alone – Winning a classic, to me, there's no such thing as a classic champ who's like not legendary. You win the classic, you're a legend. That's just kind of how it works. Uh, then he follows it up the next year with a Bassmaster Angler of the Year title. What the? Yeah, like, who does that? Next year. Yeah. yeah that's, that, <laughs> that is, that's nonsense. He's been in the classic 16 times. That's crazy. Yeah. 16 times. And if anybody if anybody doesn't really know uh the classic and and what it is, no. everybody refers to it as the Super Bowl, Super Bowl of, of bass, bass fishing. fishing. And, it and that's what it is. It is yeah. the absolute pinnacle of the sport. Yep. Um everybody who who wants to be a tournament angler or strives to be a professional angler, that's that's where they want to get to yeah, is is the classic. So And he's been in have, 16 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to have had these kind of accolades is 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 crazy. So yeah, we'll have to ask him. Like after like the fourteenth, it's just like, oh boy, another classic. You know, what I'm <laughs> right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like loading up for a local derby. Like, hey, here's another one. Um, so just for BASS, Jay has been in the money in a hundred and sixty-five tournaments. 
Let that sink in for a second. 165 tournaments. Bass fishes like 8, 9, 10, depending on the year, depending on if you qualify for the classic. 8, 9, maybe 10 tournaments a year. And he's been in the money 165 times. Uh, over $2.5 million in career earnings between BASS and FLW, which on FLW, he was the angler of the year twice. Um, he won the 2003, like ESPN does that thing every year, the SB Awards. He won the two. 2003 SB uh, award for outs. I think it was the, the, the wording was outstanding outdoor athlete. Um, 34 years as a pro fisherman. Let me yeah, say it yeah. again. Pro fisherman for 34 years. Uh, I mean, this, this is like the truth that like people say the statement, but I believe that Jay will forget more about bass fishing than I'll ever know. And I mean that sincerely. I think that's probably actually a thing. And, um, one of the coolest things I think, uh, I don't know where it stands in his hierarchy with so many cool accolades, but, um, and being so decorated, but one of the cooler things I think, uh, on his, his list of accomplishments is he is in the, uh, bass, uh, bass pro fishing hall of fame, the bass fishing hall of fame and rightfully so, but I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty dang amazing. And then the last thing, the last thing before we, before we bring him on here, um, and maybe the number one reason we really wanted to have him on the podcast, because I've always been a fan of his and there's a couple specific stories about him I want to get into. Um, but uh, I found out about this not too terribly long ago. I don't know how I, I hadn't really known about it before. Um, but one thing we really want to talk to him about is his work with the Cast for Kids Foundation. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, we are so honored and surprised, honestly, to bring in uh, <laughs> Mr. Jay Yellis. So hey, Jay Yellis. Hey. Hey guys how are you jordan and nate hey sir great how are you yeah we're doing awesome i'm, I'm glad to hear it yeah and thanks for having me i'm thrilled to be your guest and talk fishing and cast for kids whatever you want to talk about tonight all right yeah yeah let's yeah. do it for sure let's yeah yeah we, for uh, sure yeah it's an honor to be on your podcast thanks for having me over having thanks me sir be your yeah, guest think- and there's all kinds of stuff to talk about tonight so absolutely yeah yeah, we're stoked for it. I I think honored might be a little bit of a stretch with our podcast, but uh, we do appre- <laughs> we do appreciate it for sure. So, um, you know, we have uh, we've got all kinds of topics for you. Well, not a handful of topics for you. Yeah. Um. Uh. This. Uh. You know. Tonight for this episode, but uh. uh I think we're gonna start off with uh. Kind of. Kind of. Our. Our hook. Kind of what, what we, we do. do, and that's yeah. yeah, and that's uh, and that's tacos. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into some taco questions with you. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of, kind of see, see where things go from there. So, yeah. So our podcast, um, our podcast is called tackle and tacos because it's like two things that we're actually passionate about. We love fishing, we love tackle and we love eating tacos. So we're like, let's just make a podcast that's combining the two. Um, so you live in Lincoln city, Oregon, is that correct? Yeah. Well, actually we moved a couple of years ago, live over by Salem, Oregon. Now the state capital Okay, well, doggone it, because I looked it up, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Super Oscar's Mexican food in Lincoln City. Have you heard of that place? Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, he's got great soft tacos. Yeah. If you're in the neighborhood, stop in there. Yeah, I just I, I looked up online. I looked up your uh, what was listed uh, as your where you live, your hometown, and the name Super Oscars Mexican Food was the highest rated Mexican joint. And I was like, that's the coolest <laughs> name I think I've ever heard for a Mexican <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I've been there a few times. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. 
That is for sure. So, so uh, are you a fan of tacos like we are? I, I, I hope the answer is yes, but you know, we'll see. Oh, I, yes, I'm a fan. I'm not a, a gourmet fan. I mean, yeah, that's but right. I enjoy, I enjoy them. There's a little taco truck down the street. We stop by and get lunch from time to time. And yeah. those little soft, the little three little soft tacos with yes, sir. whatever kind of meat and some, um, you know, a little salsa on there or pico, whatever. Yeah. Some, uh, parsley or whatever this you know different um garnishes they put on yeah. they'll squeeze yeah, some yeah. Lime. you gotta squeeze some lime on there too yes oh, yeah that is yeah. that is go to for sure heck yeah yeah my so, uh, uh, my oldest daughter is uh she'll be 14 on uh the end of this week and whenever we go to a a taco restaurant she asks for extra limes like she'll have like if she has three let's say steak tacos with just whatever she'll have like three whole limes and squirt the entire lime. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, honey, geez, wheeze. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is good though. It, right. it does it's add to nice. flavor. Yeah. But yeah, that's my really favorite. Good. Yeah. I love those soft ones better yeah, than the hard shell. Yep. Same. My man. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're dynamite. Yeah. That's for sure. So, so, so uh, you say this, the street style are your favorite. Do you have like a, a, a number style. one or a go to uh, like meat or, you know, a taco overall? Oh, probably the steak. Just you know, that's yeah. probably. But I like them all. That is the classic chicken. Though. I mean, they're all good. Yeah, they're all good. They're yeah, steak for sure. The classic. I, I never met a taco I didn't like. So. <laughs> that's the quote right there. There's the promo for sure. That's yeah. it. Do you uh, do you cook at all, Jay? Oh, I, I I do cook a little bit, but my wife is a great cook, so okay. I don't get in her way too much. Yeah. But it's yeah, I like well, it's something we enjoy doing together from time to time. And and now that I'm retired from the pro bass circuit, I'm home a little bit more and I can sure do a little bit more of it weather than I used to when I was traveling all the time. So I've been enjoying that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been yeah. retired, sir? Two years? Just last fall. Uh, last so fall. one year. Yeah. One year. Was, okay. I, okay. One at year. the end of last season, I yeah. I knew it was recent. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the twenty twenty two season. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like you said, you, 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 you know, traveling all the time. What, what was your kind of go-to, uh, go-to meal when you were, when you were on the road doing all that? Oh, you know, I would always had some roommates that we'd always you when we could, we rent a house and, uh, yeah. and we come in and grill every night. We would, we like to do ribeyes a lot, but we, we, we mix it up and have pork chops and chicken, but we always, mm-hmm. We always got a grill, and and um, that was pr- pretty much it. When you're fishing all day and you get in late and it's after dark, you know how it is. You're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. wanna, you want some throw-down food. So we'd, we'd light up the grill and throw some uh, potatoes in the microwave and get it, some salad together and try to eat as healthy as you can because it's, you know, that, that tournament grinds hard on you. You can't eat yeah. junk food. It, it, it helps your performance if you over a you know a week's fishing every day sure. when you're out there every single day to eat to try to eat well so we that's what we would typically do and yeah. uh going out to eat is always an option but dang it takes so long sometimes yeah. that you're just you're you're exhausted you want to eat and just get ready to go to bed and get ready get all your gear ready for the next day yeah and uh but yeah it's I had a lot of good times. I roomed with Scott Canterbury the last okay. mm, seven, eight years, and before that, Mark Davis. Back when I was fishing, okay, when he was, we were he he started fishing MLF, but 
Now that that guy's really good, but Mark's a good cook. But Canterbury's really good on the grill. He would bring. Really? Some, Oh yeah, he'd bring some little deer tenderloins wrapped in bacon and jalapenos. Okay. He'd grill those up. That guy's a a grill master. Yeah. So is that yeah. why you is that why you roomed with him because of his, his chef <laughs> exactly. ability? Oh, heck yeah. yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely why. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I, I see him. Uh, I see him on a lot of uh, Scott Martin's videos that he puts out. He's, yeah. He's tip. He's typically the one heading the grill when they're. Uh, you know, yeah, back at camp or back at the uh, at the Airbnb or whatever. So it, yeah, it, they're all those are a good bunch. Him and Scott and Matt Airy and Scott Martin they room together nowadays, and they yeah. they have a good time with it. They're all great guys, and they're all uh, pretty good at fishing. Pretty good, darn good. Yep, yeah, they sure yeah. are. They're all very yeah, really accomplished, and that's what I cheer for now when I'm pulling for watching the the Elite Series events. Mm-hmm. You know, your old roommates, you got to cheer for them. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. But there's a lot of great guys out there. Yeah, there really That's is. For sure. Let's uh let's so, take a hard let's take a hard turn real quick if you're okay with that. Yeah. So from tacos cuz I I don't want to like force it, but I really want to talk about just uh the cast for kids stuff in your life yeah. and whatever but before we get into all that this is going to sound maybe more profound or deep than it has to be but like who are you like w- what things really matter to you um jay at the end of the day like what do you um what do you stand for like w- what's the things that makes your heart yeah beat? yeah that, i appreciate that question jordan that's a that it uh that's something that Somebody need people need to ask themselves every day, you know, and yeah, kind of no define doubt. who you are and, and uh, what what you stand for and all what you believe in and your worldview. So I I'd say first and foremost that I'm a you know a, a child of God, a Christian, and that uh, I got um, I got saved back in night. February twenty eighth of nineteen ninety three. Wow, is when I yeah I. I uh, um, gave my heart to Jesus and asked him to forgive me for my sins and, and uh, kind of fell in love with him. And I've been serving him and trying to get to know him better ever since. And yeah. God is, he's, he's awesome. So yeah. I I'll say that. And you can never, you never stop learning and, you know, reading the word and trying to um, have a active life with, you know, other believers and stuff and, and uh, prayer life. It's, it fascinates me and it's just, you, you can never get to know all of God cause there's, he's just so infinitely <laughs> diverse and complex, but you can simplify it all down and that he just loves us all so much that he, yeah. he longs to have a relationship with us, which is incredible in its own right. But yeah. we kind of, that's for sure. Yeah. So anyway, I just, that's what I would say. I was, you know, first of all, and then I was, my career was a, you know, a professional bass fisherman for, like you said, 34 years. And that's growing up. That's all I ever wanted to do was go fishing yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. And so you, I was able, able to do that. And thanks to living in this great country, Yeah, you know, so I'm an American professional bass fisherman. And now, you know, I'm retired from that now. And I run the uh, cast for kids foundation now, which is a nonprofit charity that uh, shares the joy of fishing with special needs children all across the country and so that's that's what i'm doing now that i'm retired from the tournament trail i just love it because it's a chance to give back and yeah and introduce these these less fortunate kids that would never otherwise have a chance to catch a fish yeah. you know to introduce them to a, a sport that i've always loved and been passionate about and give them an opportunity yeah to go out and 
and to have a good time. That's beautiful. Um, let me let me hit you with a quick follow up. Um, kind of the confluence of bass fishing and God. Do you? I've I've always um, you know had a, had a pretty firm belief in God and Jesus and whatever. And I find um, maybe it's because of how I'm wired. I find that I sort of see God more when I'm out in nature, when I'm fishing. Oh yeah. When, um, when I'm bow hunting and I'm sitting in the woods for hours on end, not seeing anything but just the piece of it does that does that resonate with you at all oh for sure yeah there's i mean the the creation is is marvelous and uh, we just we're i mean th- especially in this country i haven't tra- i've traveled to, to a couple other countries but america is there's so much to see in north america it's just amazing mm-hmm. and we have from the northwest where i live i have traveled you know thankfully all over the the country bass fishing for 34 years but from the florida everglades to those you know the lakes in the adirondacks and then yeah. you got the midwestern lakes and um, desert lakes in arizona the lowland lakes in texas to the northwest and the rivers i mean it's just it's incredible and yeah you can um yeah you can definitely see see god in through his creation and the way he everything's just so harmoniously harmoniously balanced perfectly balanced and you know the um the sun and the moon and all of the wildlife and yeah he provides um provides food for all of it and he you know the bible talks about how he even knows about all the little sparrows and how many hairs are on our head i don't have as many as i used to but he knows the exact exact number yeah, I, I totally hear you. I, I love being out. There's nothing like a beautiful sunset, you know. Yep. I mean, there's nothing like it, and uh, it just takes your breath away sometimes. And yeah, you wonder what life will be like when we move on from this world. What heaven will be like with the sunsets, and if there is a sunset, maybe who knows? But it's yeah. going to be amazing. Can we get little glimpses of it here from time to time? That's for yeah, sure. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's that's awesome for sure. Um, so you mentioned your love for the, for the outdoors. Do you, do you have a, uh, a recollection or remember like when that love started, like, uh, uh, an exact moment or point in time where, you know, being outdoors or being a professional fisherman is, is what I want to do. I caught that vision in high school. Um, okay. and, but I can remember the first bass I ever caught was on a, at my grandfather's lake house standing on his dock throwing a jitterbug out to the left on the left side of the dock Maybe that some of your younger fans might not even know what a jitterbug oh, is I love it's the jitterbug. Top, top water lure yeah and it was like a, awesome like a 13 inch largemouth bass but i i mean i i still remember that and i was probably yeah. about five years old and i remember at the you know still when i was five my grand one my other grandfather taking me out on a charter boat in the Pacific ocean off the Oregon mm. coast. And I, I can remember what the boat caught that day. I remember how mm. the wind changed directions from North yeah. to South and it kind of messed <laughs> up the currents and in that, that were out there and that was a little tougher than we thought, but I ended up getting one fish and the boat got two. And it's just, isn't that amazing that, that you, the most days of a person's life come and go and you'll never remember them again. But boy, some of those days on the water or out in the woods hunting, you remember it the rest of your life. And it's just, it's, there's something fantastic about it that, and so I, yeah, from when I was a little kid, 
I always loved it. And then I started really getting into bass fishing in high school. This is way before, this is like in the early eighties. Uh-huh. I graduated high school in 83. There was no high school fishing <laughs> college. Right, right. Yeah. You just went fishing cause you loved it and had a passion for it. Right. So that's, and I remember in high school, I, that, and I went to high school in California and bass fishing is not a big deal out there. Like it is in Alabama, you know, um, there's a lot of great fishing in California for sure. Yeah. And especially for some big fish, but, but it's not a big part of the culture and it never has been. So I remember when the first time I told my mom and dad, I, I was probably a junior in high school. And I said, I'm, well, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, a professional bass fisherman. And they laughed. <laughs> they, laughed. they didn't know what it was. Oh, yeah. They probably even know what that meant. Yeah. No, they didn't. They're like, well, yeah. uh, that's okay, son, but get your college degree first, just in yeah. case. That's so, cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's, um, you know, and it's a lot different nowadays. Kids grow up, heck, they got tournament trails for middle school kids now. Yeah, and, it's and crazy. It's way yeah. easier to get into it and it's more popular than ever which is great because it's a fantastic act activity and sport for young people to get involved with and yeah. and it can be an all-consuming lifelong passion if if you know if it really grows and somebody really enjoys it but that's that's kind of how i got started that's awesome how did you if it wasn't really as common back then which it clearly wasn't how did you even know that a bass pro fisherman was a was a thing Bassmaster magazine. Okay. Yep, and that's that's how. And then and then that's the awesome. Bassmaster TV show. Yep. And that's that was my only living out growing up out west. That was my only link. There was no yeah. internet back then. Right. You know, in the in the early eighties, I mean, we were a long ways from the internet. All you had yeah. was Bassmaster, and and uh, um, I'd get all the fishing magazines back then. It you know Field and Stream and Outdoor mm-hmm. Life, and I think. Yep. I think Operation Bass, which became FLW, they had a magazine called, I think it was called Bass Fishing. Okay. But anyway, back in the 80s. But, yeah, I'd get all those and just – but it was tough because you, you couldn't get – you couldn't even get tournament results until the darn magazine came out wow. like two months after an event That's was so over. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't I – didn't, as a fan, I didn't know anybody – that I could just call and say, or text and say, Hey, who wants right. Right. <laughs> now it's just, yeah. it's right there on your cell phone. You know, you yeah. can watch the standings and everything's so easy now to follow. Yeah. But, but that just shows what a love for the sport I had to be that far removed from bass fishing, living out, you growing up in California and Oregon to, to, uh, you know, make a career out of it. So I was pretty determined and it's something that I really, really wanted to do. Wow. Huh? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What, uh, what is something about you that most people might not know? And I'll give you a little bit of like a point of reference. Uh, the most unexpected answer we've had to this question. I think, I think you would agree with me here, Nate, uh, was when we asked, uh, Brandon Polinick, what's something about you people might not expect. And he said, I love dancing. that was not not what we expected what is something about you that maybe people wouldn't expect or don't know well i don't love dancing (laughs) (laughs) hey me too yeah yeah so i i I probably i've just i love to fish for other kinds of fish besides bass and i do i living in oregon we've got some great like steelhead fishing salmon fishing and i 
um, I love fishing in the ocean. You know, we go out and catch halibut or tuna out there. And mm. so I, I do way more of that now that I'm retired than I, than I used to, but I, yeah. that, and I do way more than bass fishing now. Um, and so they, you know, somebody might think, Oh, professional bass fisherman that's retired. He probably just still goes bass fishing three days a week, but, right. but I don't, I don't, I, I, uh, I I go fishing, but I'm I'm I think there's it's the challenge of learning a new species and really mastering that's cool you know other types of fish and they're plus they're really good to eat all yeah. those you know, all those saltwater fish so that's something I've really gotten into is the saltwater type of fishing and people might not realize that yeah that's really neat does your wife fish with you at all she goes yeah a few times a year but um, not too many my kids go with me more I've got two daughters that are in their mid twenties and they, I, I still get to go with them. They're really special days when they get yeah. to go. But we, yeah, they, I got one little grandson that my oldest daughter okay. has and they, they were down around Thanksgiving and my wife watched the grandson. I got to take my oldest daughter. She's like 27, but I hadn't been just me and her in the boat in a few years having a yeah. child and all. So that was, that was pretty special day. And yeah, she we caught like, yeah, she we caught a bunch of salmon and she caught some all by herself. It was one for the memory books, that's, that's for great. sure. I yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So uh would you say kind of like where where your life is at now, how how things are are sitting for you is kind of where you saw them or hope they were were going to end up uh, you know, years earlier? Oh, yeah, when I started, I never dreamed I'd do that be a pro pro fisherman for 34 years but that's how it ended up playing playing out and i I, you know i could have possibly retired a little earlier than that but i still enjoyed it and i was still competitive and so i and i could still be fishing now i mean heck you know there's guys that are fishing that are still competing that are much older than me i'm 58 now but that's i could but you definitely kind of lose your edge the older you get and i think most guys careers peak between you know around 40 years of age maybe 35 to 45 somewhere in there those are your best Mm -hmm. years nobody's ever really peaked after that after they hit 50 for sure that's just never happened and and uh, um but yeah it's it's uh fishing is just something that is in my blood and i never i never get tired of it and i but i what what this surprised me to answer your question, um, Nate, is I am I never dreamt years ago that I'd be running the executive director of the Cast for Kids Foundation. Mm. That's just an opportunity yeah. that God put in my lap, and I was interesting. I know it was it's kind of His perfect will for me at this time because the way it played out, I was invited to be a, on the board of the foundation in 2005, and I was on the board huh. for 10 years, and then the when the executive director retired in 2014, we, the board was tasked with finding his replacement. And, uh, and I ended up being something that I was interested in, you know, after praying about it. And it was, and so since 2015, I've been leading the foundation and I still fish from 2015 to 2022. I like dual careers. I was fishing the elite series and running a, 
And the lot cash for kids was kind of small when I took it over in 2015, but we've, it's like tripled or quadrupled wow. since then. So it's, Great. it's, uh, it's a pretty much full time. Now we've got like seven employees and it's wow. like a small business and it's, it's so much fun, but it's fun to watch it grow and, and uh, be a part of that. And then you get to work with so many wonderful people around the country. So being there now, I, I guess when I was, 20 years old, I never thought about what I'd be doing when I was 58. Right, sure. years old, yeah. But, but yeah. I'm really happy where I'm at. I couldn't be more content. I love doing what I'm doing and and so thankful for 34 years as a professional bass fisherman and, and then doing something now that I really enjoy. It still has a lot to do with fishing. So, yeah. Yeah. Life is good. God's good. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. mean, we were going to, we were going to try and to talk uh, cast for kids later, but you're here. So let's, let's jump into it. Um, what how did you find out about it and then what motivated you to jump on board with it well like i mentioned i was the the foundation started in 1991 so it went around quite a while and 32 years and so i was invited to be on the board in 2005 and i'd heard about it before that but i didn't know much about it so i was on the and so that's when i got um really involved and um active in uh, leadership of the foundation was for that 10 year period from 05 to 2015 being on the board of directors of it. So that's how I got involved. And then um, even then, even when I was on the board, I would never dreamt that I'd be running it day to day one Uh year after I retired from fishing, but it was just God's plan is how I say it was. And, uh, sure. and I'm thankful and I've embraced the role because it just kind of flowed naturally. And it just, um, it's grown enough to where it's takes, it's takes, you know, eight hours a day running the thing. So wow. we've got it, it and it deserves it's such a great charity and such a positive impact in so many lives. It deserves yeah. somebody running it full time. So it's, I've enjoyed that. And, uh, but what, just for your listeners, what cast, our website is cast for kids.org, C A S T F O R K I D S. And our mission is to enrich the lives of children with special needs and support their families and strengthen communities through the sport of fishing. So we work together with volunteers all across the country and we hold, they're like a one day fishing event. Um, half of them are boating events, half of them are shore fishing events. And we work together with local uh, coordinators in each community to plan these events out. And we, it's like you throw a big party for these special kids and they, and it's such a big deal to them. I mean, they don't have events designed just for them hardly ever. And so when people, um, all gathered to like throw a party for the special needs kids in a community. The kids are just lit up because they're never the focus of everybody's attention. They, most of the time they feel like outsiders looking Mm -hmm. in, but, and, and so we find also that the volunteers just love sharing their expertise with, with these kids. And, you know, there's nothing, nothing better than watching a kid catch his first fish of his life and the big smile, the big grin they get. I mean, that's, that's, that would warm anybody's heart, and no it's doubt. it. We get to go watch that happen every week, <laughs> and wow. so I feel really fortunate, you know, to be able to experience that kind of joy in the children. And you know, we've been one of our slogans is we've we 
you know, bring joy to special kids. And that's basically at the heart of what the cast for kids foundation does. And we do it through fishing, which is kind of fun too. There's other, a lot of other things that are great about the events we have. They're open to anybody that wants to come you know, we register, you got to register for the event. And then uh, we get people from all walks of life that come. And it's one of the few events that I go to in any, anywhere that where everybody's welcome. You got people from, you know, different, uh, backgrounds, whether it be race, religion, financial sure. status, um, education, it, they all come together and they all have a really good time just trying to take these special kids fishing. And it's, yeah. it's so cool. To, it's like heaven comes to earth for a few hours on a Saturday morning, you know, and all these folks that have big hearts for the kids in their community, they come out and volunteer and they, um, they just take the kids out in their boat or take them fishing from shore wow. and they love it. And they, and uh, then we have, after they go fishing, we have lunch for everybody. And then a big award ceremony where each child oh, is cool. honored and celebrated. And we give them an award plaque with their photo in it. And they get That's called awesome. up. Yeah. They get called. Each child gets called up one by one to get their plaque in wow. front of the, group, the lunch group. And then they get to talking in the microphone and everybody cheers for them. And sometimes, <laughs> awesome. Some events they give the kids a standing ovation, and it just there's a lot of tears, <laughs> there's a lot of big smiles and hugs at yeah. the at the event. So they're really special, um, yeah, for everybody in attendance, the kids, the parents, the volunteers, the sponsors. It's just a win-win-win yeah. deal, and so yeah. that's what I love about it. And so that, and that's what we do, and so just. You know, you can on our website. We have we had ninety four events around the country this year. We didn't have wow. one. You know, there wow. and there are like twenty six states. So we're not in every state yet, but um, you can go to our website and our the schedule for next year is not published yet. But we'll get it up there. You know, probably in January, February, and we'll you can search events in your community. Then the schedule's up there from this year's schedules up on online. You can see if there's an event near you this year and then it'll probably if there it was it'll be most likely around the same time next okay. summer like if there Go was the it. first week of august this year it'll probably be the first week of august next year but we'll sure. we'll update those when they get confirmed in the new year but yeah so people can sign up it's totally free to the kids no no cost to the families or children volunteers can sign up and come out and uh, or maybe somebody might be listening that's uh that would be interested in starting a new cast for kids event in sure, your community yeah. and get a hold of us. We'd love to help you put on a new event for special kids in your community. And, and trust me, it's a win, win, win deal. Everybody will really enjoy it. A lot of our events have been going 15, 20 years in a row. So, mm. and that speaks That's to awesome. the, yeah, it speaks to the, you know, the longevity speaks to how much, how gratifying it is for folks they just they want it they want to have it again every year because it's such a positive event for their community that's great so yeah so that's that and it's uh there's a lot of great charities out there of course but we're as far in the fishing space we're the largest children's fishing charity that's out there and it's been huh. fun to fun to be a part of it and uh and watch it grow and yeah we got this year we you know we took well over 3000 special needs oh kids my gosh. fishing this year. So that was, That's yeah, incredible. Well, yeah. Yeah. It was like, I don't remember the exact number, but it was, um, it was a bunch and we had, you know, there's 
I think we had, I don't, I, I, the numbers are on our website. I can't remember them all, but there yeah. was, I know there was the special needs, a special needs child will come to a cast for kids event with their mom and dad and usually a couple siblings. So mm-hmm. they all get to go fishing too. So it's not just the kids. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the whole, you know, it's introducing families to the sport of fishing. And a lot of times people uh, take it up and they pick it up as a family hobby. We had a family in New York this summer, say they wrote us an email after the event and they're like, we came to cast for kids. We'd never been fishing, but we had such a great time. We went home and bought a boat. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> now yeah, that's awesome. And now it's a part of, it's a hobby for our whole family. So that's really neat. Yeah. yeah. So it's fun. It's uh it's a it's a good time and we'd yeah. we'd love to grow it i mean there's the sky's the limit there's so many kids out there and there's so much water and so many you know big folks with big hearts that uh to help make it happen so it's we there's no it's fun being and watching it grow and giving more kids an opportunity yeah so one of the questions i i had uh you kind of answered it was like what kind of motivated you to uh you know to take ownership of this foundation or or want to be the the head of it and i think it's pretty clear uh the passion and the love you have yeah. for it over the over the time that oh, you, yeah. you, know, you were on the the board so yeah that's that's awesome so you know yeah. what when you're tournament fishing well let me back up fishing there's so many ways to enjoy the sport of fishing you can do sure. it you can go fishing in tournaments. You can make a career out of it. You can fish buddy tournaments, club tournaments. You can fish with your kids. You can fish with your spouse, your grandparents. You can fish by yourself. It's all fun. Right. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're out there um, tournament fishing, it's like for me, for my career on the Bass Elite Series, it's all about you and what you can catch. Mm. All right. And it's just that – and it's, and that's a great way to enjoy turn, you know, the sport of fishing is tournament fishing. But like I just said, there's a lot of other ways to enjoy it too. And so I sure. really, I really love the fact that in with cats for kids, I'm able to spend my time sharing the joy of fishing with less yeah. fortunate kids that would never otherwise get an opportunity. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that's really what, what drives me is just, it's, it's, somebody that has been so passionate about fishing their whole life. I've done so much of it for myself. I want to share it with other people. Yeah. I, uh, your website you said is castforkids.org, correct? That's correct. Um, If you go to that website, so in kind of preparation for this podcast, of course I was, you know, looking into the foundation and on the, uh, on the homepage of the website, there's like a a video that plays in the background and there's one shot of this, this young man, uh, with down syndrome and there's a big bass and he like kisses it on the belly. And I'm like, Oh my heart, dude, it's just so sweet. And I, um, there's lots of moments. Yeah. Like that. yeah, so not to get into like me because this podcast is about you, but um, a long time ago when I was about twenty, um, which feels forever ago, I was a um, I was a sort of the the layman's term for us. I was, I was a social worker uh, in Wisconsin, and my specific job was to help cognitively impaired adults live independently. Um, so not in group homes, not under constant care, but you know with some assistance you know, whatever. And I'll never forget. I had one, um, we, 
they, we were supposed to call them clients, but I just called them friends because they were all so cool. Um, I had one guy named Peter, and he was like 40-something, and he had Down syndrome, and he was just short as could be and just cute as a button and constantly happy. And, um, yeah, every time I would knock on his door, he'd say, Jordan, and he'd just give me this big hug. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, again, not trying to make it about me, but when I saw that video of that of that young man kissing that bass, and then I thought of Peter, and I'm just like, oh, man. So if somebody wants to get involved, Jay, uh, with Cast for Kids, and I, I sincerely hope they do, how can they do that? Is it, I mean, can they just, if they don't have time to physically volunteer, can they donate? Um, oh, yeah. Can they, can yeah. they volunteer? Like, how does that, how does that work? Yeah. So yeah, people, there's a donate button on our website and that's always great. But we, what we really want is to have new events to introduce more kids to the the sport of fishing and share the joy with these kids around the country. So come out and volunteer at an existing event or start a new event in your community. And if you want to do that, reach out to us. And we, the foundation, we, we would do a few events. We had like a staff of seven and we put on the seven of us put on, I don't know, a dozen events or so by ourselves. But okay. then, but we're like, I live in Oregon, so I can't start an event in, you know, Colorado. I live in Oregon. So we rely on l- local people. And like, if you're in Denver, for example, we have an event in Fort Collins. We'll just use that for an example. We work with local volunteers in Fort Collins, Colorado, to put on an event there at Horsetooth Reservoir. So no matter where you live, you know, we can work with you to help you plan the event out. And and then we offer so much. um, People could do these events by themselves, but they don't because of the, um, the expense of doing it. We have, you know, we've got all of our waivers for that people have to sign during registration to assume all risk. And then we have our attorneys wrote all those up. And then we have a big insurance policy at our events that covers that. We have online registration and there's just all the expertise of planning them out after 32 years that um, it's something that folks could do, but they find it's a lot easier to work with folks that have done this for uh, 32 years because we've kind of ironed out the process and really know how yeah. to how to do it so um, yeah just get a hold of us through the website um, okay you can all we have an eastern regional director that and then we have a, a texas arkansas oklahoma regional director and then we have a western regional director and those guys will help you plan a local event and depending on what part of the country you're in and then we'll we always attend the event on the day of and, and help make it go smoothly. And, uh, but yeah, or do you can just register as, like I said, as a volunteer or a participant, if there's some families out there listening to your podcast that have a special needs child, we'd love to have you come out to a cast for kids event. It's totally free. The kids all get a free rod and reel and a tackle box. Yeah. An event t-shirt, a hat, award plaque with their photo in it. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of good, a lot of good memories and a lot of love from the local community. So it's totally worthwhile. We look, look forward to seeing you at an event this summer. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's great. Nate, you got any other questions about that? I really wanted to touch on that. It's just such a cool thing. Yeah. Thanks. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he hit on about everything we could, uh, we could ask. I mean, that it, it, like you said, just the memories alone that, uh, 
that that foundation uh, that makes is 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 special for sure. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a cool combo um, to sort of like partner up, you know, bass clubs with oh, something yeah. like as for kids you know like if like where i where i fish chippewa valley bass attack like if we you know kind of helped team up with cast mm-hmm. for kids and ran an event like that just seems like I, that that could be a cool partnership and an easy one all over the place like you could do Good. harvester bass club nate in the quad cities or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's a, we have a lot of bass clubs around the country that put on their own cast for kids event it's a great awesome. out it's a great outreach it's a natural you get just a way for the club members to give back to their community. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty common. We see quite a bit of that, man. I love that. All right. Well, let's go to, let's go to fishing. All right. Can we, can right, we, uh, can we pan over to some fishing stuff? I, man, I, I could talk about this stuff all night, but I do know people, uh, you know, they, they we're talking to Jay Yellis right now. So we got to talk some fishing stuff for sure. Yeah. Heck yeah. So, uh, it, you know, it seems like you're, you're really known for, for being a, a versatile angler. Uh, yeah. you know, you've, you've been in the game for, for a long, long time. Uh, what, what would you say is your favorite technique, your favorite way to catch them? Oof, that's a good one. Well, that's a, I do. I, I like catching bass any old way, but if I, um, just had to go out, you know, fun fishing, I think over the years fishing, uh, either a spinner bait, or sh- okay. or flipping up shallow is just yeah. that that was what i always really or throwing a square bill i always liked i yes. really love fishing shallow <laughs> it's kind of old school but that's when i started i started fishing in the early 80s you know before um the live scope came on the scene yeah, yeah. and uh um i you know it's interesting i one of the angler of the year titles i won i caught almost all that my fish that year on a spinning rod Wow. And that was like an, you know 20 years ago, and finesse was starting as a big trend back then. But it, yeah. uh, whether they were sight fishing or drop shotting, was just taken off, you know, and shaky head worms and stuff like that. But I was so I was always able to go back to the spinning rod if I needed to to catch them. But I'd much rather throw a, a big spinner bait around or flip okay. a big jig. That's what back all the tournaments I won, they're always on a jig or a spinner bait. Um, some of the, like I mentioned, the angler of the year titles, they were always a mixed bag of different things. Like you'd expect when you have a 10 tournament season, you're going to yeah. catch them on, you know, whatever you have to throughout the year. Yeah. So you're, you're not that guy. You're not that guy who's like married to one specific technique. You no. Like whatever I got to do to get them, I'm going to do it. Yeah, so back in my day when I was fishing, you know, we had guys that were um, <clears throat> experts at one technique, like a yeah. Denny Brower. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he would fish a jig, win or lose. He didn't care if he didn't catch yeah. him. And be, he usually <laughs> yeah. did. And he won probably he, more yeah, than anybody. Yeah. And uh, you'd have guys that were specialists. Fritz who had his crankbaits and Clun yeah. and KVD had his crankbaits and then Brower with the jig and Biffle and some of the guys were, you know, Jimmy Houston and guy acre throw spinner baits all the mm-hmm. time. And, and, uh, and I was never that way. I, I started fishing. I had a good friend in high school. We'd go fishing bass fishing for a day. And my buddy would throw a white spinner bait all day. And then I would have like eight rods on the front deck <laughs> with eight different baits on. And I just, that's just who I yeah. I've always been as an angler is just somebody that was always curious about 
what the best mouse trap would be that day. You know, yeah. to buy in. And I think that played into my hands as a pro all those years because I was always pretty consistent. I didn't win a lot, but I, you know, when I, like you mentioned, I made 16 classics in a row. And then when I moved from Bass to FLW, I made a bunch of FLW cups consecutively. And, yep. and you have to be versatile to consistently catch them. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's, um, you know, the sports changed though, big time since then. Sure, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. Now it's all about forward facing sonar. It's a totally different conversation, but we'll, we'll keep our conversation to the, how the fishing was during the, you know, most of my 34 year career. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite square bill, Jay? You know, my lucky, that lucky craft, the BDS three was always that or the 2.5, but the, yeah. the BDS three probably would be, if I only could get one, but I mean the 1.5, but what I liked about lucky crafts was they were always, they would always run true yep. out of the box. Yep. Now the one I started with, and I, it's still a sleeper. I used, I still have a bunch of them. Is that Bagley, uh, the Balsa B? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Takahiro made that famous in 04 when he won the classic, yeah. right. uh, like Wiley on that bait. But yeah, yeah. I caught some, we've caught some bags over the years and not many people would throw that balsa B3 has a little square lip, big, like a DB three size body. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and they don't make them like they used to. They don't have the baits that come out now. They're just not the same. But the old ones that had the line tied down right by the bill, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, those are the ones that had that good ooh that those big yeah. ones. The big <laughs> fish would eat those, those that bait, and yeah. uh, it was a big fish bait for sure. But yeah, I I was I would I love square bill fishing too. That's so much fun yeah. catching them that way. That's probably my favorite way to fish. I think if I had to pick one, oh, yeah. one, especially when you start throwing a square bill. Um, and I couldn't agree more on the lucky craft. I have a boat full of lucky craft, uh, yeah. threes and two and a half and the fat D or the fat CBs and just different yeah. variations. They always ran true and they always had really good hooks right out of the package. Um, but when you start throwing a square bill, like on rip wrap or, or cut rock and you can feel it, thunk, 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 bang. And oh yeah. One, oh my, I mean, yeah, to that's, me, that's, that's just, that's one of the favorite ways to catch them too. And I've, you know, and I've like my, the shallowest one I ever used was a baby one minus. You ever fish that one much? Yeah. I, okay. So I caught it really quick. Uh, the baby, the man's that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. The man's, the man's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in Texas, um, we would fish tournaments when I used to live in Austin. Um, uh, we would have tournaments, not a lot of them, but in the dog days, we'd have tournaments from 10 PM to 6 AM. Cause it was just so ungodly hot during the day right. that it was bad for the fish. It was bad for the fishermen. Uh, and I was throwing a, a, a man's, it wasn't the baby, but it was the man's one minus little bigger one that had 300 bbs in it i mean it just sounded so loud and that was almost a wake bait like it didn't really get down you know it just kind of and i caught a seven pounder in the dark and in the dark (laughs) catching a seven pounder on that you would have swore that i hooked into like the Loch Ness monster you know i mean yeah yeah. i I love those baits absolutely yeah i still got a few yeah, I remember the key to that baby one minus was you had to throw it on twelve pound line or it wouldn't get out of sight. I mean, you had to get it to run a foot deep. You had to throw it on twelve, and the only problem with that is those great big ones would suck it in so deep. They're yeah. Sometimes the teeth, their teeth, when you're playing the fish, their teeth would cut that twelve pound line. I had a couple, yeah. a couple of those nightmares during 
big tournaments over the years. But yeah, so from that, that was the shallowest diving crankbait I ever fished, the baby one minus, and then all the way up to, you know, the, the, uh, the balsa B4. That's a bait that they don't have made that in years, but that yep. was bigger than the balsa B3 or the BDS4, the big lucky strike. Yep. I mean, um, lucky craft. Lucky craft yeah. And then, yeah. you know, Stripe King now makes them like this big square. Yeah. Bill. Yeah. So these, yeah. There's all kinds of, but yeah, that's such a fun way to fish. Yeah, it really is. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, those, do you have a do you have a go to uh, a go to spinner bait or jig? You said that I was, was kind of yeah. kind of the number one. So like like oh yeah, one. you know early on I was uh, well I'll just say early on I, the Stanley spinner baits were what I threw early in my mm-hmm. career and I, they came out with that wedge blade like in the early nineties that it was a willow that was tapered. Yep, Hybrid and it had a lot blade, of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it had a lot of vibration. The most, and I still, still, but even to the day I retired, I threw that when I was throwing a willow. I would throw that the wedge, mm-hmm. the Stanley wedge willow, just because it had more, more, uh, it moved more water, had a wider yeah. loop to it. But um, probably my, you know, depending on the water clarity in, in rivers or stained water, my favorite was always um, the call, uh, like a three number three Colorado and a number seven indiana okay and that that bait i won that soup bass superstars tournament on that like in 1995 and ever since then that was a favorite that the colorado indiana and dirty water the, okay the tandem you know the tandem willows in clear water or our colorado willow in clear water and uh in all the years i fished you know it's hard to beat a chartreuse and white skirt or a white skirt. Uh, I still wonder, even right, after yeah. 34 years, I wonder if those aren't the only two colors of spinnerbait that guy ever needs. Right. I've had times when black, when black was good with like a single Colorado blade, when the sun was out, mm-hmm. you wanted something that not quite so bright. I've had some good catches on black, but, but that was a, a rarity. It's usually, and then we'd use painted blades sometimes in real muddy water. But most of the time, it was either gold or, or silver. But yeah, I've had some good catches, actually, on white blades. Yep. In mud, like a little orange Colorado in front of a white Indiana blade yeah. in, yeah. in mud. But it's, that's just such a fun way to go bass fishing, to just pick a spinnerbait up and just throw it. And there's a lot of times when they all, they're just on a moving bait in that muddy water, and they won't touch a flip bait. And then there's other times they want the bait flipped and not fishing it a jig or something slow and they don't want the spinner bait. So it's, yeah. it was always just a matter of figuring out which they want. Do they want a bait flipped and, or do they want a moving bait and go to a yeah. spinner bait or a square bill in that situation? And uh, yeah, though, to me, that's the epitome of bass fishing. That's how I learned how to fish and did most of my damage over the years was, you know, five foot of water or less dirty water and with spinner bait square bill or flipping and first tournament bass term i ever won was on the potomac river yeah. in maryland and that was you know a tidal fishery so it's all shallow yeah. water five foot yeah. less fishing and uh that was that goes way back not and then that anyway i'm rambling on and on no you no i love this but now yeah, it's heck, all about looking at them on your computer screen and yep. dropping it on their head and that's just i never i 
I never did get into that. I can see why it's so effective, but I just, to me, that's not fishing. I like going out, like you mentioned at the top of the show, I like looking around. I like seeing the scenery and the sunset yeah. and birds and what's yep. going on and looking the wind blowing through the trees. And I do enough staring at the a screen on my phone or on a laptop. Yeah. <laughs> but every big tournament's won now with forward facing sonar. So oh, I don't, okay. I don't. I don't doubt the effectiveness of it, but it's, yeah. I just choose not to I probably would catch a lot more fish if I used it, but I like to, now I just fish for fun. So I like to catch yeah. them the way I like to catch them. Yeah. The last few years of my career, I will say everybody went to the <clears throat> offshore and it left the whole shoreline pretty much void. <laughs> <of tournament boats. laughs> and you yeah. It's a pretty good fishing. We had a couple of years ago, we had an elite series at Lake Fork in uh -huh. the fall and Patrick Walters won it live scoping on standing timber with a jerk bait. But I, I got third in that way up the river, throwing an old spinner bait. Yeah. That's and awesome. a square bill. Like, and there was nobody up there. It was like Steve, me and Steve Kennedy were the only two boats fishing up yep. we had the whole, the whole river to ourselves. Cause everybody else is looking at their, their live scope. So, so it wasn't like you had to do that, but that's the deal now for the young, young kids coming up, learning how to bass fish, you have to get not just good at it. You've got to be the best at reading your screen and, and, yeah. and really utilizing that as a, as the tool that it is to find and locate and catch bass. Cause that's, that's the future of bass fishing Yeah, as far as tournament competition. But like we said earlier, there's so many ways to enjoy fishing. You don't oh, have yeah. to fish that way if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jay, you ever, sure. uh, you ever get into, um, catching smallmouth? Have you ever, have you ever fished smallmouth in schools using spinnerbaits? Cause I've done that a few times. My mom lives on a, on a lake, um, just North of where I live called Holcomb. And it's a pretty well-known smallmouth area, but it can oh, be tough yeah. because it's about finding them. But once you find them, if you burn a spinnerbait, or not burn, but really break it through there pretty quick. I mean, they will pull the that's rod so out funny. of your hands. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That that's, a, that's, a, that's my favorite way to catch smallmouth. is Man. that. Is, and then and we've been doing that. Oh gosh. Since the late nineties. Yeah. You know, and even on the great lakes, those, okay. The St. Clair and Erie and those places, they'll come up and hit a spinner bait, but and we've had a lot of fun to catch the big ones. The big smallmouth will get that. But but um, I think it was two years ago we were at St. Clair for an elite series in August. And uh, I'd never tried a chatterbait on smallmouth, uh -huh. but burning a chatterbait. And so I was – and I ended up getting a top ten there wow. catching – I had a couple, you know, some some good, good tournament. And uh, using a three-quarter ounce – chatterbait which is a heavy i mean three it quarter is. ounce is a heavy one yep, with yep. The, the yamamoto zeko trader white white yeah, on white and yep. bomb it out there and just reel it like a foot deep or really it's about as fast as you can maybe not quite as fast as you can but you're you're humming you're it moving. just under yeah. the surface and those and they the, they wanted that chatterbait way better than the spinnerbait mm. and i i caught way more fish on that and that's when i realized Dang, I should have been chatterbaiting for smallmouth all these years because yeah, I, yeah. They, those suckers like a chatterbait too. They really but do. Yeah, that's so. Try that on that lake. Yeah, yeah, we do. My uh, 
my wife Lola, who um, we talked about it earlier, couldn't be on tonight. Um, that's her favorite way to fish is with a was with a jackhammer. She will she will throw a jackhammer in places where it doesn't make any sense and outfish everyone. Uh, and she'll she'll burn one. She'll throw a ounce and quarter like the big daddy one, like the real heavy one. Get it get it deep and just yeah. There's all there's all kinds of different ways to throw that dang thing. Yeah, that's a good. That's the best one. That's the one I used to throw. It's yeah. just it's worth the extra money. Yep. It it's is. just designed. It's designed right. It's the best mouse trap for a, <clears throat> that type of lure. Yeah, I like that. It's hey, Nate. Favorite. Nate, we're uh, yeah, we're yeah. talking tackle with uh, Jay Yellis right now. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, so yeah. Uh, uh, Jay, um, you fished a lot of derbies. Is there a couple for whatever reason? It could be a win. It could be something sentimental. Um, is there a couple of them? Um, let's let's exclude the classic for right now um but is there a couple tournaments in your mind that really stand out that you just really remember you have great memories of oh there's lots of them and the classic is actually the most memorable the most dramatic fish i ever caught was in the classic when i had that pontoon boat run across my spot (laughs) i looked at the cameraman i had a live espn camera in my boat and I, i said it would take an act of god to catch one now the guy the pontoon boat just ran right over my spot. It was like four feet deep. Yeah. And I threw out there next cast and caught a, the big fish of the whole classic. So I was <laughs> kind of hard not to give God the glory when, right. it, when like, it goes okay, down like that. Yeah. And I, I, and I, um, but besides that, I don't, um, gosh, there's so many of them. I remember the, the, uh, first time I ever won a boat back in the, um, um, old days of Bass Master at the Invitationals, they would have boats as prizes for the top three right, finishers yeah. in the tournament. And I remember winning a boat once, and and uh, well, you know, well, what do you do with a boat when you already have a boat that you're pulling your right. truck? That you're, that you're <laughs> yeah. So you got to have to go rent a truck to haul it somewhere, or but I didn't have a driver for that. I would have had yeah. to pay a driver. So anyway, so you end up just dumping them on the site. So I remember <laughs> this is, fun. it's kind of pitiful, but I remember selling a brand new Ranger boat to a guy cash on site for $15,000. Wow. This was in 1991 or 1992 on the, up, up in the Northeast. But I don't know that boat now is probably worth 50 grand. You know? Right. Yeah, it was crazy. But that was, yeah. I don't know why I remember that. That was just kind of a dump, but I was kind of in a, in a spot there. I mean, what do you do when you're right? Yeah. A long yeah, ways yeah. from home and you win a boat and, and I did, I was young and I didn't have the connections to call a local deep boat dealer and say, Hey, sure. can I leave this there? But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I've had, I remember the year I won angler of the year, I caught a, a 10, catching a 10 pounder on a spinner bait at Lake Seminole in Florida. That was the biggest bass I ever caught on a spinner bait in a tournament. And I remember Golly. the biggest stringer I ever caught in a tournament was at Lake Toho the year in 2001, the year when Dean Rojas set what was, right. I think it's still the record five fish, 45 pounds. 45 yeah, pounds. Yeah. yeah. I think it is. Yeah. yeah got that the, in his house. the second day of that tournament, um, I only had like 15 pounds the first day. So I, every word got out after he caught that huge bag there on bed. So I, and I didn't find any beds in practice, but I, I just went back to the places where I'd been bit in practice and started looking around. And it was, 
like Disneyland. There's a nine <laughs> pounder here. I caught I caught a nine like a nine six, and then twenty minutes later, right just down the way a little bit, another nine pounder. Oh my gosh! And then like twenty minutes after that, I come across this bed, and there's this giant sitting in there, and I I pitched a tube in there twice because I caught the nines on a tube. Okay. And it didn't even flinch. Didn't even look at the tube. So I, huh. I picked up. Uh, I had a black lizard with a chartreuse tail, six inch. Mm. I pitched that on that bed, and that fish went right down on it. And she sucked it in, and that that was an eleven eleven, the biggest bass oh, I ever still I ever caught in my whole life. Yeah, and that was that was uh, incredible. That I day I, had, I ended up with like thirty six pounds that day, but but. I didn't have the big fish that day, and I didn't have the biggest stringer that day either. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but, but my mom was the only one that still remembers that, being her. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll remember it, too. You know what's funny, too? Do you remember this, Nate, at the tournament we fished this year uh, with the LaFonts? Uh, Easton kept on throwing a Carolina rig. Do you remember I gave him a bag of Zoom lizards that were black with a chartreuse tail? And I yeah. said, throw yeah, this yeah. fish, eat it. And he's like, I'm not throwing that. And he never did. Yeah. Well, now I have proof. Now <laughs> yeah. I have proof that they Well, they'll bite that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how that fish never even looked at a tube. But and then I reeled lizard. straight in and threw right. I had a lizard rigged on another rod, and I pitched it right in there, and she just lit her up, man, and she wow. just ate it right away. So there oh was my gosh. something something about that bait that that fish liked. But um, wow. anyway, there's just some memories from over the years. They, I love that. Yeah, somebody brought in a 12-pounder that day in uh, Lake Toho, Florida. Boy, it can be a, – it's a, kind of a feast or famine. It's not a really sure. – it's kind of a hard place to catch them when they're not biting, but boy, when they're, when it, you hit it right in late January or February, those big ones are up. It's, it's amazing. It's cool to see a you know, a nine, 10 pounder on a bed and have a shot at catching it. It's pretty yeah. special. Yeah. To watch a near 12 pounder and golf oh. lure, my Lord. Oh, I, and so here's the rest of that story. Prior to that day, I'd never caught a bass over eight and a half pounds in a tournament. Oh my gosh. And then I catch three over that in a 45-minute stretch. And I was just beside myself when I got that 11-pounder in the boat, put it in the live well, and I just started cracking up laughing. I couldn't even fish <laughs> for like 15 minutes. I was just yeah. laughing hysterically. Just, yeah. It was like the best 45 minutes of my life bass fishing. And uh, so great memories, you know, over the years. And and uh, not, not all the days fishing are great days. Sometimes sure. you have – sometime like the <laughs> the last time we were at Lake Champlain a couple years well two years ago I guess I was running all the way down to Ticonderoga from Plattsburgh and it's like a 60 70 mile run big mm-hmm. wide open lake and ran down there the first day and caught them good and the second day the forecast was the same for winds five to ten all day so I run down there and about catch them pretty good in about noon the wind starts blowing out of the north and it just starts picking up and picking up and the white caps start building and next thing you know it's blowing like 30 and it's just Ooh. this huge storm blows up and i've got a 70 mile run through that stuff jeez and i've you know and i had a good bag that day and a good bag the first day and what do you do i mean you either i ended up just about destroying that boat i i made it back but i was late getting in and uh, had to stop and pick up Kyle Welcher because he'd 
broke down and and uh, I was glad I get got him in on time. He was in a later flight, but I mean that, the ride was so rough. Yeah, it's like 60, 70 miles pounding in like, you know, not super huge surf, but like three and four footers. Yeah, that, and it was that's anyway, a long way than that. All my yeah. my graphs, all all the screws came out, the brackets, they all came flying back and the whole trolling motor, the whole trolling motor just like all the screws and bolts came off and it came flopping back in the bottom of the boat. Oh my I gosh. Just, I mean, it was just, it was a horror show because you're going like way too fast yeah. in big, yeah. big water for 70 miles. And I mean, yeah. that just destroyed the boat. Thank goodness there's service crews at those tournaments that yeah, it wasn't all uh, glorious being a professional bass right. fish. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of hard, you fish through a lot of, lot of inclement weather. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I could go on and on and on, but I I'll stop right there for now. <laughs> no, what that's else? pretty uh that's pretty incredible for sure. We oh, you know, yeah. being being a, a you know, tournament guy who follows the scene, you know, we've we've heard about that run, you know, many yeah. times, but to hear it, you know, straight from your mouth is, is right. pretty yeah. uh, and pretty it's so crazy. frustrating because you you know, the forecast was for five to 10 and usually forecasts are pretty darn good these days. Yeah. The meteorologists so. can get it. And so otherwise I'd have never gone down there. Yeah, Nobody sure. would make a run like that. If they knew the wind was going to blow 30 at, at noon that day, they would. And there's a couple other boats down there and they just said the heck with it. They didn't catch them very good. So they just went to a boat ramp called for called the tournament director and said, have somebody drive my trailer down here. I'm not, Pick me up. I'm not making the run back, but and then they look right. behind them, and there goes Jake. Yeah, there goes the old, the old, the old man. <laughs> and uh, two, anyway, that was uh, yeah. It was it's a it's a lot of fun though. All in all, it's a great yeah. It's a great career, and and uh, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of traveling, but yeah, you have to really love it to do it because of that, but. But it it worked out great for me. I'm real thankful. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's 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 for sure. Awesome. So you know, you, you having the the lengthy career that that you did, um, can you speak on like how uh, sponsorship uh, stuff has kind of changed over the years? Like how hmm. kind of how it was like early on to to like nowadays. Uh, not you know nothing specific, but like you know how easy or hard it was. You know. 30, 30 years ago to, to oh. what it was, you know, the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I, my timing was really good in the sport because I started, you know, I started fishing bass in 89 and the sport, look how much it grew from 89 through now, you know, last year. Yeah. And so um, I got in it during a great growth stretch and that, and so the sponsors were pretty, easy to come by because times were good and companies were growing and making a lot of money and selling a lot of boats and t fishing tackle and all that. And I, um, but I, I, over the years, I think it's, it's become so diluted. When I started, there was only bass was that's the only pro tour that there was. And now of course there's two pro tours and there have been since the late nineties, two pro circuits. So you have twice as many fishermen and they're all competing for the same, piece of the pie so back back when i started you know in the late 80s early 90s there was only i don't know maybe 25 or 30 guys that were that were uh like that you know the 
top superstar fisherman type levels. I met men named a bunch of them earlier, mm-hmm. you know, Brower and Nixon and Clun and yeah. Jimmy Houston and all those guys. But now there's so many more. So it's, I found over the years it got tougher just because the, the dilution of having two pro circuits. Um, and, but a lot of that probably has to do with, you know, once my, my career peaked and then it kind of, um, the last few years, I, you know, I didn't perform as well as I had earlier on. And so there was, you know, the sponsors weren't as quite as good as they were during the peak years, but, um, all in all, it was, um, that's really how you make your living as a professional fisherman. Yeah. You can't, you can't count on your winnings every year to pay all sure. your bills and yeah. you have good, everybody has good years and bad years. And, uh, the sponsors are your, you know, your steady income that you need to, cause it costs a lot. It's a very expensive yeah. lifestyle because you're traveling so much. And then, um, and you got to have the equip all the, you know, the inventory and equipment to, to do it. So, but yeah, they, uh, um, I had great sponsors over the years, Skeeter Boats, and yeah, and uh, I had you know, and Yamaha, and I had, I had a lot of different sponsors actually over the years. I started out with Berkeley. I was with them for twenty, about twenty years or so, hmm. and um, um, I was with Yamamoto Baits the last several years for soft plastics, and. Uh, I was on the Chevy Pro staff for a while back when they were big sponsors. They got out of it. They're just a marketing decision. They yeah. probably one of the more frustrating things you'll find guys will find is in the sponsoring sponsorship world is when you have um, these companies, the manufacturers, they change their marketing people from time to time, and you'll yeah. get some new marketing guy that yeah, comes in. Different ideas and, and yeah, they have different ideas and priorities, and and so you just get through no fault of your own, you're just, you know, you're, they, uh, like, like the Chevy guys, we had a strong team for years. I mean, Larry Nixon was on there and, and Brian thrift and Jimmy Mm -hmm. Houston. And, and they had a, they had a bass fishing pro staff for years, maybe decades. I don't know. And then they got a new marketing guy that decided they wanted to target, inner city men with their marketing budget instead of outdoorsmen. And it was just gone. I mean, they just cut the whole thing. And uh, so, I mean, there's, and there's nothing you can do about that when that happens, it's totally out of your control. So the fishing companies are more consistent for longevity because they're always have to do marketing and fishing. Sure. But the non endemic sponsors, they can come and go. And they may they may be a real sweet deal for a few years, but the new they might have a change of guard in the marketing <laughs> department, and they might they might not des- they might decide bass fishing is not the best place to bet for the bang for their buck. So yeah, yeah, it's all it's all good though. It's yeah. uh, it's tough, you know. One of the keys to sponsorships is that the the top fishermen need to hold the mark. There's no, we don't have a union, so the top guys right. need to hold, they need to keep the bar way up here. They they you know they can't settle for a sponsorship for a bag of plastic worms and put the company's logo on their jersey. If they do that, everybody else is in trouble. Like the top uh-huh. guys, they got to get top dollar for that sponsoring that plastic company that makes that bag of worms. 
and then it works its way down for everybody else. So there's the onus is really on the top anglers to hold out for making the you know um, the mess the most they can to keep it fair, to keep it equitable for all of the other fishermen that are yeah. out there. So mm. anyway, I was a part of that for several years, and and then you know had some highs and lows with sponsors. But yeah, it's just part of the game. You got to have them. Yeah. Wow. Huh, that's really yeah, interesting. No, I never, yeah, that's awesome. I never really looked at it, you know, in that in that sense of like how the uh, you know the top guy kind of kind of sets it. Kinda, oh kinda yeah, sets the bar, yeah, and then it kind of trickles down from there. I never really looked at and it like that. But that makes that makes a ton of sense. So does, some guys yeah. do a great job of that, and then others they don't. They're fantastic fishermen, but they're not businessmen at yeah, all. Yeah, kind of a country bumpkin type. And they're like, yeah, man, I'll I'll put your logo on my jersey for you know free free worms. And, yeah, and then, and then they end up winning all everything, and they're like, and then and then the next guy comes along and tries to get a small retainer fee, and they're like, no way, we're not even paying. Right. Yeah, you know, he yeah, doesn't free. Yeah. So then everybody's, um, but any but all in all, it's worked out pretty good, and yeah. Uh, it's a great industry. A lot of wonderful people in the fishing industry. Definitely. It's always fun to go to the classic or the ICAST show and yeah. see everybody. Yeah. Um, this is not really in the same wavelength, but kind of. Um, give us a couple tips, uh, Jay, on breaking down and figuring out new water. Okay. Yeah, that's really at the heart and soul of what a professional bass fisherman right. does. And it can really get well. All right, let me answer your question first. I could go off on some rabbit trails, but <laughs> um, do. So, yeah. So it's a it's a combination of the, knowing what the fish are doing with the seasonal patterns that should be taking place, and then um, and then knowing what your skill set is as an angler and what you're most confident in, what you're mm-hmm. the best at what you're most proficient at, what you like to do. It's usually a good way to answer that question with what you're really good at doing. And then you kind of, then you you just start, this is, I guess it's an old school answer. This is a pre live scope answer to your question. (laughs) The the post live scope answer is you just go out and look at your screen all day. Don't fish. You just troll the motor around and look for fish like you're sight fishing. Yeah. But so the pre the pre live scope answer is it's you and it's really more of an art. It's kind of an art and a science combined, and that's why I think a lot of those earlier fishermen that learned to fish without front facing sonar are the, your best fishermen because if you took the front facing sonar away from from everybody, those are the guys that would just really shine in the tournament. Sure. Yeah, and uh, the guys that, that learned to fish in my generation just by savvy and intuition and uh, experience, and just get a gut feel for you know something should be going on over here that looks good, and I need to fish that. But yeah, so you have to have a number one understand seasonal patterns, bass migrations, what the food chain's doing, what should be working this time of year, what the fish should be doing. They start there, and a lot of times it takes two, three, four days to really get dialed in and figure it out. And, yeah. and you want to, you, and then the other part of it was 
learning who you are as an angler and what you're good at because you can't do it all. For example, if you go to a lake and the everybody there, it's known as a jerk bait lake. Boy, you got to fish a jerk bait. You know, if you're going to do good there this time of year, well, if you don't like fishing jerk baits, there's no way you're going to beat somebody that's really good at jerk bait fishing that's mm. done it for years and years. So you need to figure out what you like to do and then and try to get really good at that. And that's one way to look at it. And then you can the other way is to just pick an area. And have eight rods out on your deck with eight different baits and just fish all through that area of the lake with everything until you figure out what's going on and what, what the fish are doing. And that's more of a versatile approach. And like, for example, if you like when we'd go to a tournament back when I was, you know, back uh, in my younger days, pre live scope, you'd have a guy like Danny Brower with his jig or Fritz or KVD with their crankbaits, and they would go out and practice, and they would just crank. That's all they'd have out is crankbaits or jig or whatever their specialty yeah. was, and they would just they would just fish that way until they found them because that's what they like to do. And if there was a, let's just pick one of those. If there was Brower and a jig, if there was a jig boy going on, Danny would find it early on, first day of practice. And he'd be able to develop it, really refine that pattern and the part of the lake. And he would be dialed in on day one. He'd go out, take a big lead, and then he'd just finish it off. Now, as a versatile guy, if you have go out the first day of practice with eight rods on your front deck, and you know you got one, you do have a jig rod out, but it's just one of eight different lures. Eventually, you're going to find that jig bite if there's a good jig bite going on. But you're going to be way behind Denny, who started with a jig. Yeah. And you'll end up doing pretty good in the tournament. You'll make the money because you found the bite and you got some good fish on a jig. But but you're not going to win the event. You, you might get a top 10, but you'll probably get a good high in the money finish because you figured it out. And so that that's kind of the... That was always usually the approach that I took, and, yeah, and I like that, that more versatile approach where yeah. you, you're gonna you're gonna find the bite because you're open to anything that could be going on out yeah, there, I like that. and you're versatile enough to catch them with a drop shot or w- whatever you need to top water, and uh, so that's that's one way to look at. It. And then the other way, another example is to that I've used several times when you break down a big lake is to just pick a couple areas of that lake to look at in practice and just forget the whole rest of the lake and just mm, forget it. Yeah. And if they catch them there, that's fine. But it's kind of like a, it, it's kind of like a baseball hitter. Most of those guys that are really good, they sit on certain pitches. Yeah. They sell they, out you know, to a fastball or whatever. Yeah. 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 And they, and they strike out a lot, but most of your home run hitters or the really good hit guys that hit for average they, you know, they're going to get their pitch and they're going to execute on it. So you can go to a lake and you can guess. That's how, you know, when I won the classic, I, I, I just picked the river on that lake and I spent my whole practice period within like a six mile section of this river. Uh-huh. I, I, I never even looked anywhere else. I didn't even fish the whole rest of the lake. Wow. So I put all my eggs in that basket and it, and it, that ended up being where the best bite was on the whole lake 
Yeah. And I got my pitch and I hit it, you know, to use the baseball analogy. So that's the other way you can do it. Sometimes you're going to, you know, guess wrong. And then, uh, but you can, if you take a big Creek arm of a lake or something, there's good fish that live there. You just got to yeah. figure out. I, I made more, more often than not, I would do well with that approach. And the approach where I would fish in that Creek for two hours and I run 10 minutes to another Creek for two hours, then I'd, this is in practice. And then I'd run five miles to another spot for two hours. That is not the way to practice for a tournament because you're, right. you're just fishing the stat. You're like nostalgia fishing or you're fishing mm-hmm. where they, where you caught them two years ago. Yeah. Yep. Instead of, and instead, instead of dropping the darn trolling motor and just fishing and figuring out what the fish are doing now. So that's, you know, if you have a good, there's a lot of knowledge about our lakes and now, and you know, you know, if you're in a good area and, um, or an area that has potential to produce big bags. And yeah, so that's you know, on the big lakes, that's kind of how, you, how I would approach things. And then the other thing that worked for me a lot too, was I would figure out what the bite should be and what everybody else is going to be doing. Cause the tournaments are always one that way. And I would do something totally opposite. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And man, if you can find them, you have them all to yourself. And yep. you can't, that bite's not always there. But I remember well, the most a glaring example was we used to go to Kentucky Lake in June for big tournaments. And the tournaments are always one cranking or fishing a jig or whatever on ledges. Ledges, yeah. Always. And I, and I had on Kentucky Lake, and I would run over to Barkley Lake, and I would literally have 20 miles of that lake all to myself. Wow. And then the flipping bite, the shallow flipping bite around logs and brush and stuff, it would be wide open. And you wouldn't be catching 20 pounds, but you could catch 15 to 18 pounds every day. And I had a – I didn't win, but I had a third one year doing that and a fifth one year doing that. Yeah, wow. And that's yeah. just – that's a yeah, perfect awesome. example. And I, I wouldn't see another boat all day. And, huh. and uh, now you can go looking for bites off the wall bites. You kind of fade the conventional wisdom. You can look for that a lot of times and you can't find it. But when you do find it, it's always the top 10 because you, huh. you'd have it to yourself and you don't have to share fish with other uh, contestants. And that sharing fish is it's really hard when you have to yeah. share a spot that, to have it hold up for four days because those tournaments are four days long. Yeah. And uh, you, there's any more, there's very few spots that have enough fish to share that for four days to win on it. But yeah. Anyway, you guys, I'm enjoying talking about all the, all these. Yeah. This is beautiful. (laughs) Bass fishing. Like I said, this forward facing sonar has just changed all that because it's like, it's like sight fishing now, you know, you know how it is when you'd see them on beds and you just to prepare for a sight fishing tournament, you just put your trolling motor on high, yeah. get a good pair of sunglasses and you right. just go down the bank and you mark as many fish on beds as you could. Then you come back and catch them in the tournament. And that's what the guys do now with forward facing sonar is they just <clears throat> do very little fishing in practice. They cover tons of ground looking for them on their, on their electronics. Yeah, right. and so that's a totally intellectual style of fishing compared to what the art and science of fishing that I was just talking about. Two yeah. totally different styles of fishing, and 
And that with that, with a new style, with the forward-facing sonar, you just you have to be the best with the technology. Period. Yeah. That's what it, yeah. you just have to be better than everybody else with technology, and learn how to read that screen and what you're looking at and interpret what you're seeing on that screen, and, how, and then learn how to catch get those fish to bite. But um, the sports, it's really changed a lot. It's fascinating to me that. Uh, it's changed that much over the years, but that's yeah. how that's what we're dealing with nowadays. And um, yeah, okay, yeah. So uh, uh, aside from the the forward facing deal, uh, if you had to pick, we don't have to get into anything super lengthy. But if you had to pick, like uh, maybe one or two things that that separate uh, a good angler angler from a great angler, what, what would mm. you say that would be? Um, I think a lot of it's. Uh, well, there's two things. One, it's a God-given ability. Um, yeah. Some people have a natural talent for fishing. Trust Seems me, it's like no it. different than hitting yeah. a baseball or pitching a baseball. You just have it. There's a there's a God-given gift for finding and catching fish. And then the second thing is having that the passion and the work ethic to make to get the most out of your potential. You'll find all the great anglers. They had a tremendous love for the sport, and they would work so hard um, at, at it to really perfect their game. And that's that's what really separates the great anglers. But you, there's a ton of hard work alone won't do it. There's a ton right. of guys that work their tail off, and but they don't have that gift that some people just are blessed with. And they're the ones that, you know, you see at the top every year, just yeah. a natural ability. It's just, yep. that's all you, that's all you can say. And it's, it's just as real in bass fishing and as, as it is in any other sport. So, mm. but you can't, you can't just have the heart, you know, the old sailing, the hard, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. So yeah you the, sure. the talented guys, they've got to put their time in. So, but that's yeah. what separates people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's the, that's the, uh, the Polonix and the Jordan Lees of the world. For yes. Sure. Yep. You know? yep. Yep. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Those guys are gifted, very gifted anglers. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, Jay, what, what's a bigger accomplishment and you have a beautifully unique, um, ability to answer this question. What's a bigger accomplishment? a classic title or an angler of the year title? Well, I, I think the big, the biggest accomplishment I can answer that. I'm going to answer that two ways because the biggest okay. accomplishment was to win angler of the year. Yeah. But if I had to choose one of them, I'd choose the classic any day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The classic is like, it's the big show. It is. It's the granddaddy of them all. It's our Super Bowl. And it, there's a, a big, besides just a tournament, there's a huge outdoor show going on in a convention right. center right next door. Right. Where they weigh the fish. And everybody in the bass fishing industry is there in that city that day. And so it's a, big family reunion of this, of the sport. And they have, and that's what makes it so special is that everybody's, everybody's there. Whereas with angler of the year, that concludes at the final tournament of the year. And there's, you know, there's several thousand fans, but the industry has not gathered there at that last event of sure. the year. So, but it's by the anglers, the angler of the year is more, more well-respected because it's harder, probably harder to yeah. win. 
But the class, if I could just choose, I would pick the classic any day over Angler of the Year, huh. just because of the. It's that was just a career defining moment. And even you today at the, to introduce, introduced me at the top of this podcast. The first thing you said was, was a class. Yeah, right. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's just, right. it's just, it's, it's the, it's the main deal. It's like winning the Super Bowl. you know, it's like, a, yeah. Yeah. It was something I'm so thankful for to get a shot to do that once. It's just amazing. Yeah. Huh. That was a, that was a really cool way of summing it up, sir. How you how you said uh, for the anglers, AOY is like wow, you know, because that's an entire season, a grind, all the travel, potential boat issues, oh, yeah. weather, all the things you can't control, and yet you still fish consistently. Or did you have not necessarily lucky? Because I don't really fully believe in that. Or did you just have a really good three days? You know, so uh, yeah, you know, there there really is a big difference, but they're both kind of incredible. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. So you uh you you kind of touched on a little bit earlier with the the whole pontoon deal uh at yeah, the classic gosh. which is yeah absolutely wild but uh yeah. do you have any other like uh like major memories from from that classic in yeah. in 2002? Yeah. And that was on Lay Lake, wasn't it? Yes, Lay Lake yeah, in Birmingham. Yeah. yeah, so I remember there was uh, a couple things I can. Oh, I remember a lot of things actually. One of my favorite yeah. memories, dearest to my heart, was my girls and my wife were with me. We were all in a hotel room there, <clears throat> right there at the Sheraton, right by the where the weigh-in and the tournament were at. And we, I was go, I was leading after two days. Right, there's a three-day event. So right before I was going to bed after the second day, and we all, all of us, my wife and my two, da- my daughters were like at that time they were six and four years mm. old and so we go to bed it's all quiet and dark turn the lights off and we were laying there for like 10 minutes and my oldest daughter who's six she sits up in her bed and she says daddy don't worry god just told me you're gonna win the classic oh my gosh <laughs> i'll never forget that oh you know, my gosh yeah. i mean how do you you know what what can what can top that and then i went Jeez. out and she's pretty she's pretty amazing. She gets some downloads and she, Mm. uh, but anyway, that, and then I had um, so many dear friends that were there um, to get to share that with. And, and, and my whole family was there, like I said, and, and one of my good buddies, um, he, when I weighed in, he was so excited. He was in the stands and he, he, he's a pretty big guy. And uh, he said he jumped up so high and he came crashing down into his seat that he broke the seat. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, that's I mean that's a story. You know that's that's a great memory. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, and anyway, that it's it, it's hard though. I I can remember, you know, back then they would they would provide all the boats for that were provided by Skeeter that year. And you okay, would have, yeah. and the trucks were provided by Chevy and they would, everybody had an identical boat and truck and you would have a driver that would drive you to the boat ramp in the morning. And it was like a 45 minute drive. And we would have, you know, being the leader, I had a, 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 outdoor rider in my car with me and he just um we're driving to the lake the last morning of the tournament and i'm you know it's 3 a.m or whatever 4 a.m and you're i'm trying to get focused on competing that day and getting my mind ready to go and 
and you're just having to do an interview the whole time on the way out there. Man. Yeah. And that, that's, and, and then the cameras and stuff. And it's just, there's that. So that was, that speaks to the, the, how hard it is and exhausting it mm. is to win that because you'll see, I remember that year Cliff Pace won it. He was so spent that he could hardly even smile. Yeah, yeah, really speak. yeah. Oh, he was he couldn't even talk. He just yeah. he just yeah. leave it all out there. It's, and you get like you're getting like four hours sleep every night because you sure they have dinners and stuff and and uh, sponsor obligations and then the, the media and so I just met that I'd mentioned that just to speak to the you know what a grind that thing is to yeah to endure. It's like a marathon, you gotta endure for a week. It's only a three-day competition, but you're there in town for some practice days and media days and stuff. So that's uh, – it's definitely a hard work, and you you definitely earn it. But, yeah, those are some of my some of my memories that uh, I remember. Well, the pontoon boat story is the best one, you know, I've talked yeah, about. But we had – that last morning of the tournament, we had – I had a ESPN was filming that and they had a helicopter. They had a camera yep, guy in yep. a helicopter. Remember that? Yeah. So we're, and I'm up there. I was slow that last morning and uh, I'm up there trying to fish and there's a helicopter filming me. And you know, the guys, his, the, all the wake from the helicopters, the, the water's just all getting blown around all around my boat. Oh my gosh! And you got white caps from the helicopter on the water, and I'm trying to fish. <laughs> and I like my my uh, camera guy's like, man, it's like trying to go out in a deer in the woods and hunt deer with a band following behind you playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like finally, finally the helicopter left, and some of the spectator boats cool off, and and then the they started Alabama Power started running the water. Gen- yep. the generator started going the current started moving the fish started biting that last day but there were some anxious moments i think i only caught like four fish the last day but i had a five pounder mm. and uh, still won by six pounds but Jeez. anyway that was i had a pretty i had a 10 pound lead going into the last day so anyway i but i still didn't catch a limit so it's still the door was opened a little bit there, but sure. Yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, one of the best things was when I got home after that, all my friends in, and back then I lived in Texas, but we, one of my friends threw a surprise party for me. And, uh, we had a, one afternoon I was walking with my, my young daughters down to the swimming pool in our neighborhood. And, uh, I start seeing all these, friends or people I knew drive by and they'd like wave and you know I've got like beach towels and my kids little inner tubes and stuff and we're walking down the street and finally we go for a swim and I come home and my wife's like hey we need to run down our so-and-so just called and invite us over for a quick meal let's go down there and I said okay so I got dressed we went down there and there was like uh, there had to be at least a hundred people there friends from all over East Texas had come and there was a mm. huge surprise and they threw a big party for me. That, I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, if you don't, yeah. if you don't have, is 
have if you don't have somebody to share something like that with, it's not yep. really worth a hill of beans. Yeah. When it, you know, it's, it's, it's so fun to be able to share it with uh, family and friends afterwards. And yeah, well, I appreciate you guys uh, asking these questions. So I can relive some of those fun times. <laughs> we love hearing yeah, it. I have awesome, a couple yeah. kind of specific follow-ups, Jay. So number one, um, what did you say to your daughter when you won? The one who told you that you were going to win? Oh, I, I just said, yeah, you, oh, were, you right. were right. Yeah. You were right, Hannah. You were right. You're definitely here from God. That was great. Because she, she, uh, she's actually done that a few other times since then. And she, huh. um, she's, she has a, a gift, a prophetic gift, you might say. So, okay. yeah, but yeah, awesome. she's, she's a special young lady, but, um, what was your other question? Um, well, now that you said that, now I'm like kind of seeing it sort of funny in my head. Like if you guys are in bed before like the fourth day of a tournament and she doesn't say anything, like you just put it on the trailer, <laughs> just call it, <laughs> just well, say anything. So uh, yeah, the other question I had was just the specificity of it, the the pontoon thing, and you're in this area where you're waiting for the whatever you call it. it wasn't really was it a dam? I mean, whatever. Yeah, you're right below a dam in yeah, a tail race through, but it's not always pushing. Um, and then this pontoon just about how on God's earth did you not just, I mean, I know you're a man of faith and I respect the, the, the fire out of that, but how did you not lose your stuff right there? I just, well, I that's, that's part of the, um, part of the key to being a good fisherman, I think is to just keep on an even keel. And there's so many bad things that are out of your control that can happen during a day and you can't let it ruin your day or get to you or alter your focus and, um, but that that's a glaring example when a guy he ran right by my boat so close I could have reached out and touched him with my rod and ran right over that spot and, and then I said it would take an act of God to catch one now and I flipped out there and caught the biggest fish of the whole tournament <laughs> but yeah that was cool and every every time I several years after that I'd under my breath, when I'd cast my jig out, I'd say, it would take an act of God to catch You're one. Right. <laughs> Come on, yeah. it never happened yeah. again. Redo Just it. Redo it. Yeah. Redo. Yeah, let's have a redo. But no, that that was uh, – um, I think that's any – that's a key. Composure is a key component to the mental makeup of any sport. Yeah. If you if – you, I, I love baseball and I follow it a lot, but if you watch pitchers – if you ever see a pitcher lose control of his emotions, it's over. He's he's, he's over. He'll be out of the yeah. game. Yeah. One or two more batters, he's gone, and yeah. he can't. I mean, he's. You have to ma- maintain that composure and that focus, uh, and so mm-hmm. that's anyway. That was just uh, competing in the moment, totally yeah. focused on what I was doing, and you just have to block that stuff out. And, wow. and I just, I think I kind of joked and laughed about it, and said, you know, made a joke, made light of the situation, and then it was. God blessed me with that six pounder. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Do you ever like in, in your 34 years of competing, did you ever spin out on the water? I, I don't remember. Um, I remember having altercations with other anglers where we'd both be fishing the same spot and we'd get some heated arguments over who had the right to fish there. Was it Biffle? No, not with him. He was always going down the bank 100 miles an hour flipping. He'd never flipped yeah. the same bush twice in a day either. He'd, <laughs> yeah. He's wide open. But what 
what happens a lot in tournaments is you'll have, and these situations always get worked out because at the end of the day, the guys realize, Hey, that stuff just happens as part of the game. Sure. You'll have one angler that'll go to a good spot in the morning and he'll catch his fish the first day of the tournament. And he wants to save them for the rest of the tournament. So he leaves. And then at noon, another angler comes in because he'd found those same fish also, but he didn't think that it was his best spot. It might've been his third or fourth sure. spot. He comes in there and he catches a big limit. And then the day two, they both start there in the exact same spot. And that's, there's no written rules of etiquette in that situation. I mean, both those guys legitimately have a right to fish there in that situation. You know, it's different than if, if you see somebody fishing a spot and you know, he's catching them, you don't ever go back and fish that spot. So, but yeah, there's, but we, but no, to answer your question, I don't recall ever really losing it emotionally and spinning out and just losing my head and screaming and, I'm just, that's just not my character or personality. I don't do that in, in other parts of life either besides fishing. And it's after all, that would be the last place I do. Cause it's just fishing. After all, there's always another fish to catch around the corner somewhere. So right. it's not, it's not the big, the biggest deal in the world, but yeah, yeah. that's wow. Well, I could talk to you guys all night. We'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll uh we'll let you go on that one, Jay. We wish nothing but the best for you in the future. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd highly encourage anybody who is watching this, listening to this. Um, if you can't be boots on the ground, make a donation, do something to get involved. Uh, you know, one thing about um generation Y, Generation X, whatever you want to call kind of some some younger folks in the in the world is uh, a lot of them, a lot of us are looking for a cause to get involved in. Um, and I think this is a pretty worthy one. Yeah, it's a good cast one. For kids. Thanks. Yeah, Cast for Kids and um, castforkids.org. And you can just Google it. It's the first thing that pops up. So, we'll, yeah, I appreciate you guys highlighting that tonight. It's been a pleasure talking yeah. about some old fishing memories. And yeah, what an honor. Up, let's do this again maybe next year sometime. And we'll, re- okay. we'll uh, talk about some other stuff. Yeah. So. We're going to, we're going to hold you to that. All right. I thank you so much. Yeah. This has been such a great conversation. We can keep going for like two more hours, but I, <laughs> you're, you're probably right. Yeah. I yeah, my, get some water. I'm yeah my wife water. might, my wife might not be too happy about that, but Jay, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. So, so you can go ahead and hang up and All right, uh, we guys, appreciate thank you so you. much. All right. You guys have a great one. Thank you so All much. Right, Good night. Yes, All right. Thank you. Golly. We just talked to freaking Jay Yellis, dude. <laughs> Like the whole time he's talking, like there was not yeah. a singular function in my DNA that was like, "Come on, dude, hurry up, get done with your with your." No, response. not at all. Like, like this is every, Jay Yellis, dude. Bit of it was amazing. Yeah, I'm just yeah, absorbing just... and listening. And even at the end there, when he said that thing, like, um, "Oh, there's always another fish to catch." Yeah. What the blankety yeah. blank? You're talking about the classic. Like right. we ain't talking about practice. Right. Hey, not, not somebody, a game, not a game, not a game. Somebody like, almost literally crashing into your boat and, eh, well, we'll be all right. We'll get through on the, this. And yeah, on, just the, to, just, on the third day, wasn't it? Wasn't the pontoon the last day? I think, I think it was. Yeah. I'm, I'm all, yeah I, I was going to ask him, second but or third, but yeah, I, I always in, thought I always incredible. heard it as the third, but uh, you know, I mean, it's so like, yeah. just, yeah, just imagine that. Let's say that you're like, 
you're in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and uh, the water boy runs up to give you a squirt of water and pokes you in the eye with a Gatorade bottle. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, well, you know, there's always another football to throw. Or like, yeah. like, what? How on earth do you not? And the fact that I was like, you ever spin out? And he's like, I can't remember ever doing it. What in the, I need to just hang around that dude. You know, I need yeah. to just like yeah, sit there and like just listen to him and absorb his like, his piece. Cause like that is man. Yeah. Yeah. What he was, he was a, definitely a guy to have on, you know, to, uh, in a testament to our, uh, our positive vibe we always try to hold yeah, uh, uh, on this man it that was that was sweet that was awesome yeah yeah and it was a great comparison too because he's spot on um uh baseball or or even you know football really any any sport when you see those dudes start to get like super like it's over yeah. especially and I, I think he nailed like the example pitching is just such a between the ears act um there's so many things you can do wrong and not that many that you can do just perfectly if you start getting in between your ears it's over before you even throw the ball and it's so yeah, true in fishing too dude like you know me nate like i don't really get super spun out by the fishing usually like i'll just get super frustrated sometimes like if i get a backlash and then i lose like a you know the custom balsa crankbait one cast later or i go to grab a rod out of the locker and it's hung up on 15 rod sleeves and it's like all these little intangible things back to back to back (laughs) um and i know dang well i know dang well that's like you know just like this emotional intellectual like constipation and it doesn't work it doesn't work and jay yellis is the absolute perfect example of when it does work as far as like staying positive staying peaceful like what can actually come out of it yeah yeah that's exactly it i mean uh you know they say the bad things always come in threes and we've we've seen them on the water uh time and time again but uh yeah being able to to keep that calm and and uh a woosah as they say and uh so hard. yeah i must i might start calling it jay ellison just i mean yeah yeah just yeah. yeah just call it just call it that yeah we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna close every show instead of saying positivity is worth the effort we're gonna say all right everybody jay ellis right exactly (laughs) we'll just say that that'll be a little weird but i mean geez louise man so nate hit us with uh hit us with our sponsors um and then we'll uh we'll close on up shop but what an awesome conversation and like to hear the specificity on lures and blades for crank or for uh spinner baits and yeah like, like, like I said, sort of like jokingly not jokingly like this dude will forget more than i'll ever know uh He's just barfing out such high level specificity on some, on some fishing stuff and water clarity and how to reel what a man. And the fact that even up until last year, he's pacing, he's placing top fives. Yeah. You know, and this is a dude who obviously, you know, isn't a fan of uh, forward facing sonar. So he's doing it like his way, the way that he fishes and he's still putting in top fives, like until he retired. That's Wow. Yeah, it's a testament to uh, to the skill set that he he gathered and and carried on through his career. It's uh, very wow. very impressive. So yeah, just wow, dude. Well, yeah. So uh, before we thank the sponsors, I w- I want to thank the listeners, everybody who's uh, oh, who's no. hung out with us, hung out yeah. with us through this episode. It was it was a man. It was a good one. Tons and tons of awesome information from <laughs> exactly there. You go. Tons of Sorry. great information from Jay, and uh, you know, I, I we appreciate every single one of you who who hung out so and listened, yeah. um, you know, listened with us. So, because uh, that, yeah, that's really what we did was just sat back and listened to to him go on. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was it was awesome in so, the best yeah, possible man. way. Yeah, 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so thank you guys. And, uh, of course, thanks. Uh, thank you to, to Kenai and Grizzly mm-hmm. Coolers, um, you know, for, for sponsoring us and, and, uh, hanging out with us, letting us, uh, you know, talk about you guys on a weekly basis. We appreciate that. Um, hook and arrow supply company, uh, mm-hmm. and Gil tech, Gil tech jigs, all the, all the great things that they do with, uh, the Botech service there at uh, hook yeah. and arrow supply, uh, yeah. all the great, great Gil tech products, jigs, hooks, baits, you know, everything, everything that, they, yeah, everything that they everything got he puts on. out is thought yeah. through and super intentional. Yep. I'm, I'm so stoked to get my hand on some more of those, uh, those swim baits for this upcoming they're season. Good, so they're so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, real quick. Uh, as I, as I interrupt you pointlessly, um, do you ever tie a, what do they call it? A loop knot? Oh yeah. Where it can like free swing and, and yeah, it's like the old I, school. Yeah. I remember as a kid, man. Um, I don't know why whenever I think of fishing as a kid, uh, really often my brain goes to the original Rapala floater, like the three hook, and I always go to bright orange. I don't know if anybody right. else can relate to that as a kid. But in those, they always had like a little pamphlet that you could unfold and it would tell you like knots. And wasn't one of those in that pamphlet? Wasn't it? It might not have been a loop knot, but wasn't, isn't that what they called the Rapala knot? Like a free swinging not i think it might have been yeah it was in that little in that little plastic case in the back yeah. of it yeah yeah i i remember that yeah um i can't i can't put my finger on exactly what the different knots were that were on those we might have to find yeah. some old cases yeah. and, and you know pull that up i bet yeah, i bet Atkins i have some somewhere. talking um about using a loop knot for um a ball head jig with a swim bait and it got me thinking like that makes an absolute crap ton of sense because you know on a a swim bait it's not just the tail like a good swim bait you get the body rolling back and forth and as the tail kicks you get kind of like the combo of the two and if it's on a head rock and yeah the head rocks back and forth and then you kind of get the mo yeah and, and i think if you put it on a loop knot that makes sense that it would do that even more right Heck, heck yeah i would i would have to think so yeah that's, yeah i gotta try that on a giltech one that is smart yeah i like that so yeah shout out giltech uh go check shout those out. guys out yeah and uh of course um uh, the working class guys working class bow hunter working class bow hunter podcast network yeah um you know all the all the shows that they have with uh victory drive and of course working class yep. uh with the hunt files as well you know yep. uh, and dreary stuff uh, yeah and the, yeah and the drury uh the drury stuff that they have going on so tons of tons of awesome content to uh to to soak up through through their network so uh um go ahead and do that at uh at waypoint uh waypoint tv they've got yeah. they've got it all there so yeah for sure uh, that's Again, it, man yeah lola we missed you tonight um we did you would have, you would have, I think you would have just been so good with Jay. Cause he's just such a cool, <laughs> smooth, like just very passionate sort of like not Southern, but he's got this way of speaking that's so calm and chill. And I think, yeah. I think, I think Lola would have vibed well off that. And uh, yeah, he, he's just barfing out knowledge left and right. So we yeah. missed you Lola. Um, and remember everybody, man, if there was ever, if there was ever an episode that just typified this motto of ours it was this one it was this Absolutely. one i i truly believe had um i truly believe had jay yellis not had this mindset 
he might not have won that classic because you spin out and the gears grind and you just don't think straight. You make bad choices, bad actions, bad results. They all kind of, they all kind of come together, you know, like play. What's that? What's that? That that phrase play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You spin out, you get mad, you make a bad choice, bad results happen. Jay Yellis stayed calm. He stayed positive. He won the classic. So remember, no matter what you're up against, even in the face of an evil pontoon, positivity is worth the effort. We will catch you on the next one. Peace. Bye-bye. Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment.